We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and Matt Brooks. Fellas, how we doing? I'm good. Um, you know, not exactly the result that I think everybody was looking for in this game, too. But I think there's a lot of interesting things to touch on. Um, so, I, I, I in, a, in a weird way, I'm happy that there's a few more takeaways that I can have from this game compared to the last one. Um, no, I'm doing not as well. I wake up at 3.30, the Nets lose. Uh, I go back to sleep at about 6.30. I wake up at 8am and Joe Harris is leaving the bubble. Um, it's, it's not a good day for me. Not the best start to my day, guys. Yeah, uh, like Jack mentioned, Nets lost game two, 104-99, and we got the news about Joe Harris leaving the bubble. Before we dive into that, quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But guys, let's talk about Joe Harris leaving the bubble. It was for a non-medical reason. It was a personal matter, so obviously we don't know the details about that. Hopefully everything is okay with Joe, but what does this mean for the Nets team moving to game three and game four? Because he's at least going to miss two games given you know quarantine and all the, the regulations in the bubble. Um, yeah, definitely. Don't, I mean, f- first off, like I, I don't want to like speculate on what his what's going on with him. I just hope everything is all right. Uh, and on a basketball side of things, um, I just it's we saw it today, and like we're gonna go through the game itself. But the drop off 
but from whatever Joe, whoever's filling in his shoes, like is I guess it's TLC now. Um, that is such a huge loss for them to field, and I just don't even know what that offense looks like because they've been running so much three man action between Karras and him and, and Jared Allen. And now I just don't know who's going to be in his spot, who's going to be moving the ball, who's going to be making those decisions. Say what you want about TLC. He's been really great at shooting the ball. Um, not a great decision maker, like not quick yeah. at moving it. You know, if anything, like the little moments where he does move it fast, I get really excited because I'm like, wow, I've never seen that from him. But um, right now, I don't know. I it's It's not a good look, and I just hope everything's okay. Uh, yeah, uh, echo the sentiments uh, 100% from Matt. No, I just hope everything with him uh, as well, everything with his family, whatever it might be, whatever circumstances it might be, that he is um, he, he is okay um, and, and, and everyone around him is okay because we don't want Joe living the, the bubble for obvious basketball reasons, but we also uh, care more about the person like we were talking about, you know, pre, pre-bubble and, and Nick and Matt and I were talking about, you know, the guys that uh, unfortunately contracted the coronavirus and we were just worrying about their health and well-being and that's what we care more about with these guys than, than their basketball stuff, but yeah Matt, I think, you know, when Joe Harris is playing 39 minutes, uh, TLC's playing 36 minutes, and the guys off the bench uh, Rodan's Kurtz, Chris Gio's, uh, Tyler Johnson, 16, 12 and 22, and all of them are more than minus 10 and plus minus uh, it's not going to be pretty game 3, but you know, it, the importance that Joe Harris has for this team, uh, and this has had for this team uh, in the bubble, in the entire season, uh, it has been immense it's, you can almost make an argument that he's been as important as Karasavert. Maybe not Jared Allen because uh, there's no one else to really do what he does out on the floor, but yeah. there's there's few people in the league that can do what Joe Harris does as well. Yeah, I think life just got a lot more miserable for Karasavert and Jared Allen because Joe Harris was the only guy Toronto wasn't willing to help off of. And if they did, it was you know for a split second and somebody else would make that rotation. So now it just puts so much more pressure on Levert and Allen who are going to just see a lot more attention. Like Matt mentioned, they run a lot of actions with those three. And that's like the only time you feel like Levert or Allen can get some space to operate and the only time Joe could get some space to operate. So losing you know a, a player of Joe's caliber, especially in this situation where you just don't have options to go to on the bench where like Tyler Johnson is going to have to play 30 plus minutes or, you know, Justin Anderson is going to have to fill in or Jeremiah Martin. Like there's just no solution to this issue right now, given to what the Nets have on this roster. It's going to be tough. What do you expect Jacques Vaughn to do going into game three? Oh man. Um, I would, I mean, I, I just don't know what they do about those bench minutes. Like this was such a tricky game. Cause I actually thought they played pretty well for the most part. They certainly had moments like, I guess you just need Karras to, like, they need to figure out a way to get him downhill a little bit more so that he's not settling as much for those threes. I felt like that just took the wind out of the nets today. Like, they got about as good of a team effort as you're going to get defensively. They were really pressuring those corner shooters, even in transition. I thought their transition defense was really good today. Um, so for them, I just think there's got to be a way. you got to create, you know, easier looks for Karras. And if you can't do that, then that's where it gets interesting. Like, if you have a team that either they're going under screens or they're they're doubling Karras and he's not able to quite create those shots, then I think this becomes a very different conversation. But I'm not really willing to have that conversation yet because he's been awesome. Yeah, I've got no idea, to be honest, Nick. The, <laughs> the, 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 the skill set that Joe Harris has, as I sort of alluded to, it's irreplaceable on the Brooklyn Nets roster right now. 
and there'd be few guys, even if you know you had Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, and, and a heap of these guys here, his his loss would still be immense in terms of you know the absolute uh, tremendous elite expertise he provides from the perimeter, uh, the decision making and, and and effort on both ends of the floor that he provides. You know we we ran that final play from him. Obviously we can we'll get to that a little bit later, but. You know, he's just been adding to his game and you know now he's having a career high in rebounding performances. Who's going to replace those boards? Um, <laughs> that actually is like kind of an issue because he was really active on the boards. Obviously, he's not the biggest guy, but 15 boards still count. It's It was massive. And, and to say, uh, just to surmise, his, uh, his bubble performance was 19.1 points per game, 5.9 rebounds per game. 59.8% from the field and 55.1% from three. And that's with all the attention that he was getting, despite, you know, the, the Nets lack of talent and essentially having three good players. He's still been that effective. He's still been rebounding that well. Oh, man, just Joe, man, just Joe. I'm gonna, I, I need to put my Joe shirt on, guys. Give me two minutes. I'm going to put it on. Show my guys some love. Jack might start crying on the show today. But <laughs> moving over to the game, and let's talk about that last play. Well, not the last play, but we know the last meaningful possession where the handoff between Joe Harris and Garrett Temple ended up bouncing off Temple's foot and leading to the Raptors getting the ball and getting a dunk that sealed the win. What were your thoughts on that play call, the execution? How- oh, man, I didn't like it. I'll, I'll say it. I don't know what on earth the idea was to put the ball in Joe Harris's hands. Look, Joe Harris is great. Like, he's a great, great player. Um and I, he does so many things well. I don't think that, and I like him creating offense for others as like a guy who who receives a pass off the catch. Like, so say you do a pick and roll, he gets the ball in the wing, and then you know he pump fakes, goes you know drives to the basket and kicks out to another shooter. But I don't really think he should be the initiating point. That seems like a weird way to use Joe Harris. So I, I hated it personally. I, I thought it was a disaster the second they inbounded it to him. I was like, I just like. And I believe in Joe Harris. This isn't a me saying Joe Harris sucks thing or anything. It's just I felt like it wasn't a good way to use Joe Harris. I think you should have given it to somebody who's going to find him. Go to Karras. Go to Temple. Somebody like that. And and I guess the risk you're running is that if, you know, their off-ball movement with Joe or TLC is smothered, then you have the ball in Temple's hands and he's forced to put up the shot. But I don't know. I just I didn't love that. I, I I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I know that uh, a few of our, our Nets fam have been reporting that Jarvon said the Nets' final play was intended for Joe Harris and got to him, but Kyle Lowry's defense blew the play out. Well, like, in, in that sort of sense, what did you expect to happen? <laughs> yeah, it was a very sure. basic play. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, let's get the ball into our best three-point shooter's hands. Yeah, uh, Kyle Lowry and, 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 and OG and Anobi, they're just going to let him shoot it. Like, it, it, it seemed to be... Uh, we haven't criticized Jacques Vaughn very often on the show because, honestly, he hasn't had much to criticize about. But in that sort of sense, as Matt was sort of saying, it was just a bit basic. There wasn't a lot of creativity to it. You know, you need to have actions and reactions. What's the plan A? What's the plan B? You know, at the end of the day, you know, it, as much as you know that the the ball is getting into Joe Harris's hands, well, is there going to be a, a, some off-ball screening for him? You know, maybe get TLC the ball as well. Maybe try and get, obviously, Garrett Temple fumbled a little bit. 
Um, obviously, he was incredibly unhappy with that. You know, that happens. It, it sort of reminded me of Spencer Dimley throwing away the ball early in the season as well. You know, the Nets sometimes just <laughs> I saw that replay. That. That's just yeah. a funny replay for me to laugh. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's just emblematic of, of the Nets season. And, you know, I, I think that they did so much right in this game. And, you know, probably like 42, 40 minutes of great basketball. But uh, against a team that is just so superior in so many ways, they have to play 48 minutes. And that includes the final 10 seconds, your final shot at, you know, evening up the game. And unfortunately, it wasn't executed. Uh, it wasn't drawn up perfectly. Uh, I think that, you know, he could have got the ball and just had a bit more movement. It was just way too static and simple and narrow um, in, in what was sort of drawn up. So um, I, it, it just wasn't, it was, I guess, emblematic of the, of the game itself. You know, the Nets were there, they were there, they were there. And then the, the Raptors are just like, nah, we're going to hit you in the ass like Kyle Lowry did to that train on the way back to the locker room. <laughs> God damn, I hate that dude. Sorry. I, it's better to be angry at Kyle Lowry than sad about Joe Harris. So I, I think I prefer those emotions. Channel that energy. Can I, can I say one thing about Vaughn? I also felt like they should have, maybe not challenged, but I just felt like he sat on his hands a little bit well, some of those calls down the end, and I know I'm I I don't like the idea of of I guess like getting too upset about calls, but I think also a coach's responsibility is to do that sometimes. Like you need to yell at the refs if you think there's a really bad call. There were like three consecutive bad call, like calls down the stretch, and I just felt like he sat on his hands, and that seems to be his personality, um, which is fine. I that having a chill personality and someone who's laid back is totally fine. Seems like the players vibe with that quite a bit. Um, it's funny because every time Jacques Vaughn does something well, we hear, oh, Kenny Atkinson would have never done that. Kenny Atkinson would have never done that. So let me just do the do this one way, the other way. I'm going to flip this on its head. Kenny Atkinson would have gotten ejected from that game. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I agree. I think, like, you do need to get a tech, especially in a situation like this, considering that, hey, the Raptors are this – you know, the reigning champs, they have all this star power. The Nets are these G-leaguers, these bubble Nets. You need to kind of set the tone, especially when the whistle's going so much. And like Matt said on Twitter, like, you don't want to complain about the refs. That's not the reason Nets lost the game. But it definitely has some type of vibe with your team. Like, when all these calls are going against you, it just really hurts your momentum. And it feels like such more of an uphill battle. Uh, and I think that, that obviously we're not going to analyze, you know, the too much the armchair psychology and demeanor of Jacques Vaughn and a, a lot of this sort of calm and rational sort of way that he's been acting and uh, and the demeanor that he has had throughout the bubble experience has solidified this team in so many ways. But in that sort of respect, if you're comparing him to a Greg Popovich, to like Matt mentioned, a Kenny Atkinson, to a Doc Rivers, to a Rick Carlisle, to all basically a heap of the top coaches, they would go crazy. They would, you know, give the tech away. They would throw that $50,000 away because it, it, it changes the, the dynamic, you know, within the team. You know, your, your, your coach is your leader in a lot of ways and they set that sort of tone. So uh, I think he did a lot of right things tonight. You know, we can obviously talk about the fact that he was clearly listening to the Brooklyn Buzz and, and took my advice to start TLC. Thank you, Jacques. You know, what from one Jacques to another, I appreciate it. Appreciate you listening to the show. Make sure everyone else is subscribing out there as well. <laughs> but he obviously, he's not perfect. And he's not an, an elite coach in any sort of respect. Or else we wouldn't, you know, if we were to have in that those final 
plays or in you know little minutia throughout the nights uh, t- throughout the game today you know we would have had you know say a Brad Stevens if you had a uh, an Eric Spolster if you had a Doc Rivers these sort of guys then I think the result could have been a little bit different. That final play could have been a little bit smarter, could have had a little bit more complexities to it, could have, you know, just had a... a it could have been a different result in some ways. I don't think, you know, Jacques Vaughan's uh, coaching performance today, you know, just decided the result. I think it was just poor execution. I always say that more than any other. And I think that Matt and myself and, and Nick, you have all, you've said this as well, that we put it more down to the players and the coach uh, always. And the coach is always the sort of fall guy. But, you know, he's still, he's not a perfect coach. Um, he's certainly growing in stature and in experience. But, you know, he's got some things to work on as well. Today was a learning experience. I mean, like, you guys kind of touched on it. That was just like, you ideally want to get the ball to Joe Harris. But everybody on the Raptors and Nick Nurse knows that. You need to get more creative and set something up. And when the play doesn't work, you need to have, you know, some type of backup option where it's not Joe Harris trying to initiate the play like Matt mentioned. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the fourth quarter. Did you guys feel like the Nets just kind of ran out of gas? Um. Yeah, I mean, I felt like, you know, it's funny, like, I, I just felt like both teams looked – it was a weird stretch to kind of end the game because I – I mean, the Raptors just never looked good in that game. I didn't feel like there was one point where I was like well, – except for um Powell, who had a yeah. real stinker of game one. But my goodness, he came just back for certain. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what was going on. That guy was like – I mean, he's really good, so I don't want to take any away. He put up, what, like 14 a game this year, and like he's just really athletic and gets to the rim and – Couple big um, playoff performances last year for him too, especially I want to say in that Milwaukee series. Oh yeah, I I mean I really like him, but he was like out of his mind today, and I was just like I don't even know what to what to even do about the, the majority <laughs> of this game because the, both of these teams, I mean the the Nets really, and I I think this was probably the Nets' best effort that you're gonna get maybe outside of Karis playing a little bit better, but across the board I thought they were really good. Um, at least defensively. Offensively, I feel like they could have had a couple more guys pop. But um, but just in terms of, like, the execution for both teams, I was like, my goodness, this is messy to finish this out. Yeah, I think that the the Nets saved their worst basketball for the final quarter. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. that was probably telling in a lot of ways. They outscored 30 to 19. You know, the Raptors went on, you know, some 10-0 runs here and there. But, you know, the Nets just hung around throughout the night. You know, there was a four-point advantage the Nets were in the first quarter. There was a one-point advantage the Raptors were in the second quarter. There was a three-point advantage uh, the Nets were in the third quarter. So they just had to maintain that ascendancy rather than letting the Raptors go on, on their mini runs on any sort of extended run and unfortunately that did happen and, and you know Norman Powell was out of his mind but when you have the quality of depth that the Toronto Raptors do some of these guys can pop off you know Fred Van Vliet we know is a really good player but he's not going to be you know eight, like a, a, a freaking Steph Curry Damian Lillard um, but today it happened just happened to be uh, a guy like Norman Powell going 11 of 17 from the field you know he didn't kill us from three he was just driving like a madman and finishing weird and reckless angles that I'm just like okay you do your thing Norm uh, at the end of the day you can't necessarily stop that so yeah, it was it was disappointing because I think that the the win was there for the taking, Nick, um, and and I think that was probably the most disappointing thing. And I mean, when you're waking up at these early hours, it just makes you even angrier, and it makes that morning nap that little bit tougher to get down from. <laughs> you don't even want to go to sleep; you're just that upset. I mean, I just felt like in the fourth, and you could almost feel it happen in the first quarter because guys have to play so hard. 
Like they have so much responsibility where the Raptors are able to kind of balance it out and they don't have to count on one guy to do everything. Where it's like the offensive end, you're counting on Karras so much to distribute and run the offense. And defensively, you're asking Jared Allen to pretty much just eliminate everybody in the paint. And he did such a great job, but it just felt like it's starting to tax on them in the fourth quarter. If you check out my Twitter, I clipped a play and it was like yeah. transition defense and you just kind of see the guys almost walking back. And it's like, some of it's like, guys, come on, this is, you know, the fourth quarter of game two, you have a chance to win this game, but then part of you feels bad for them because you just know how exhausted they are. And this is a situation that none of them have ever been in. So it's just like, I don't know if even Jock Vaughn can balance it any better because they're so dependable on their best players. And it's just more than likely they're going to be fatigued at the end of the game. Look at those minutes. 39, Joe Harris, 41, Jared Allen, 35, Garrett Temple, 39, Karis Avert, 36, TLC. Has, current, has TLC ever played 36 minutes in his career in one game? Um, I would be very surprised if he has. You know, those minutes aren't, aren't normal. And they're heavy these, minutes too. Yeah, and like you're going up against a team that makes you work. And even though they were a little bit off tonight, the Toronto Raptors are still a, an immense team in so many different ways. So, And obviously it is. It's playoff basketball as well. So the intensity is just ractions up uh, a little bit on both ends of the floor too. So... It's it's tough, Nick, and you know obviously you know we can pick out plays, and that was certainly poor. And you just it's just got, it's like come on, you want to be you have to be engaged for 48 minutes, and, and like we sort of alluded to, one or two minutes stretches uh, can lose you this game. And uh, you give the, a team like the Raptors any little slight bit of momentum, especially in transition where they're so deadly. And we talked about that in the preview. I talked about that in my piece for OTG basketball. Um, it, it's just going to give them those little openings, and you can't give a team like the Raptors in opening. And unfortunately, it just happened to be in that final quarter. And yeah, I think it is definitely like, you know, come on, guys, be more engaged. But it's also like, man, these guys have played some heavy damn minutes against a yep. really damn good team. And uh, again, you know, what we talked about it, and if you want to compare it to, to seasons uh, past, it's very rare that we would see these minutes for, for Joe Harris, Jared Allen, Karis Avert. You know, Garrett Temple was probably the guy that's probably more used to playing 35 minutes or so. But they're, they're, and in the minutes that they did play, I think you couldn't ask more from a guy, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. Karis Avert, it just wasn't his night. And I mean, I guess we can get to, to the individual players uh, in a little bit. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Jason Westland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefit of using CBD in treatment. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover your body, and body balm for targeted relief and sleep tincture to drift into deep night sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 17th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But until Labor Day, go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. 
Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Yeah, let's talk Harris. Obviously, popular name on Nets Twitter today. 16 points, 5 of 22 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, 6 of 9 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 11 assists, and only 2 turnovers and 1 block. Obviously, pretty poor shooting night for Karras or Day, whatever you want to call it. Matt, what would you think of his game today? Um, IU looked really strong in in spurts. Uh, I don't remember. I, I think this was on Zach Lowe talking about playing him almost as like their Manu Ginobili. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm starting to really, really warm up on that. And I it feels like a slight to Karras. I don't want it to be a slight to Karras because I think you'd start him with the starters. But... When he gets cold, it's like it's freezing. Like it's it's really it's it's tough. Like and and it's it's something about it. It's like the second he starts missing his shots, his decision making is gone. His his way of getting out of it is weirdly shooting, which at, at least today it was. So I think looking at that long term, I just like a they I just think they wore him down. Those 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 damn Raptors. I mean they. They really ran him down, and and they exhausted him with the hedges. So I wonder if there's a way to insulate that a little bit more. That's not going to happen in this series, by the way. So I don't know what they do about that. But I think it's something to try to take some notes on. Maybe not overreact too much, but take some note off of. Uh, I will say that uh, his passing, again, continues to be sublime. There were some passes, like to TLC, who missed a dunk today. The pace... <laughs> And timing that he's got on these passes, it's just like, it reminds you a little bit of D'Lo in some ways, uh, in terms of just the timing that he has and the the read and feel for the game and getting his teammates open. You know, he's playing great basketball as a, the, the CLVPG, as I like to call him. But at, at the end of the day, we're relying on him for shot making too. And, you know, when he's taking 22 shots and he's only making five of them, and he's not hitting all his three throws either, and he's that three ball is, is gone. Like, it, uh, before tonight's game, he was shooting just above 25% from three. Uh, after tonight's game, it would probably be sub 25%. And it, it sucks because, you know, he's normally quite good creating off the dribble. We know he's not the best catch-and-shoot player. We've mentioned that plenty. Matt's uh, I made a point of that uh, quite a bit too. So it, it When you, your guy, you wanted him to be shooting 40%. If, if Karras is shooting 40% tonight, I think that we probably get this W, you know, at the end of the day. And I think some of his shot selection was a, a bit forced in ways. I also do think that the Raptors defense forces you to take good shots rather than great shots, as, as Jacques Warren alluded to as well. So I think that he did some good things tonight. And uh, that, that was the passing. That was the feel for the game. That was rebounding. I thought the team rebounded incredibly overall. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, the only two turnovers to go with 11 assists, uh, that, 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 that's great. But uh, we are relying on him to also just make shots, be a mid-range shot, beat a three-point shot, beat on his drives, beat those free throws. And that was what he just didn't do well tonight. And, and that was crucial. I yeah, thought this- they... Oh, oh, ahead, real Matt. quick. I thought they did a really good job the Raptors taking away that short mid-range game that he's been so yeah. good. Like there was a play where he went up and I want to say was it a block no Siakam blocked him. Um and I just remember seeing that and I was like, "Ah, they they have looked at the scouting report here with Karis Silbert." Anyways, I'll let you go ahead, Nick. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like uh, you mentioned, Jack, and you mentioned Matt, like the passing has been really good and running the offense at certain points. And just it was an off shooting night, but I think a lot of credit to the Raptors because, like, Karras is such a rhythm player. And it just felt like he was never in rhythm and never comfortable. And that's a lot of credit to the Raptors. And even, like, some of the shots he took, it didn't even feel like he really wanted to take them. There was a lot of, like, fading to the baseline, like little mid-range jumpers that he doesn't even typically shoot that much. And if he does, it's like when he's hot. And it felt like the Raptors forced him to that. And obviously not hitting the threes is really going to hurt him because it's just going to make it that much easier for the Raptors to defend him. And he's not going to have that space at the line to create and do what he wants to do. And it's just going to be a really tough series. And I wouldn't be surprised if Carroll's Karras doesn't have a good shooting night against the Raptors this entire playoff series just based off the way they play him, his skill set, and needing to have a rhythm. I just don't know if he'll ever get comfortable in the series because we've heard this before with star players. You get double teamed so much, and then when the double team is not there, you start thinking there's a second guy there, and it's all in your head, and that just kind of feels like what he's going through right now. He's just kind of out of sorts with his shooting. At least the passing's still there, but the Nets really need him to at least score 20 to have a chance to win. Are you guys worried overall, just a, a general talking point, you know, future-wise for either his individual career or his fit with the team next year about the lack of the three-point shot? And I was listening to Sam Bassini, who's a guy who does great, like, draft stuff and scouting stuff, and he was talking about how, like, at college in a small sample size, you know, he was shooting, like, 40% from three in, in his time at Michigan. And it seemed to me that once he hit the NBA, that three-ball shot just seemed to leave, whether it was, like, the extra couple of feet or whatever it was. But, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on, you know, Karras, I guess, losing his his mojo from the three-point line? Well, I'm a, I'm a nerd, and I've, like, looked at his <laughs> mechanics. Um, Love it. And if... And I, I like, I like. It's embarrassing, but in one of the quarantine days, I just like sat down and was like looking at clips of his mechanics from his rookie year and his his uh, his. I guess this year in college, uh, I don't think his mechanics have changed, but I don't find them to be consistent. Like yep. I've always felt like there's a, it's like a different jump shot every time, which is really strange to watch. Um, and I just I think that's why his pull up shooting was so was so good because that 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 is in itself a really it's I just think there's a little more rhythm to that if you're dribbling yeah. into a three it's you know for some guys like it's just easier to align yourself correctly and and position yourself in the right way and get your elbows kind of um, you know tilted inward a little bit more so I think that that is for him like the the biggest thing right now is that. I just, I don't know what's going on with the mechanics, but yeah, I'm like, I'm, of course I'm a little concerned about it. Like it's the most important part of the modern game. And he, I, I don't think he can do it personally. I don't know what's going to change, but I, I don't really think it, that, that, that the outside shooting from him is going to change that much. I think Matt is 100% spot on with the point that his shot changes. And I think, Jack, you and I have mentioned this in the past where just yeah. certain attempts look different. And that's spot on too, Matt. When you have the pull-up game, it's just more in rhythm. The ball's in your hands. It's almost like one motion because you have to stop and then just go straight up. Where when you're catching shoot, it's just like things can get a little bit discombobulated and you're kind of all over the place. It just feels like Karras just needs like a really, really good shooting coach that works on his form and it stays on top of him about keeping those mechanics the same way every single shot. I think he's a skilled enough basketball player where he can develop a three-point shot. Like there's plenty of guys in the league we know firsthand from Jason Kidd being one of the worst shooters entering the NBA and now being an all-time leader in three-pointers made in the NBA. So I think that's an area you can grow. It's just going to take a lot of work. And I think I almost think any NBA player, if they have decent mechanics, they can work into being at least a 
average three-point shooter, so I have a little bit more faith than Matt if Karras puts in the work, which he's shown he's been able to do in the past with other aspects of his game. Shout out to Nick for using Discombobulated on a podcast. Uh, never thought I'd hear the day. Uh, shout out <laughs> to the vocab, my guy. Um, in in that respect, oh, I mean, I, like just go out there and shoot a little bit, especially if you haven't shot for a while. Your form's gonna feel real weird. I will say we're we're all a, we're all not just Nets fans here, but we're all you know NBA obsessed in in so many different ways. The Alvin Gentry, the the shooting coach for Alvin Gentry's um, New Orleans Pelicans, obviously he's fired now. Um, reform the mechanics of Brandon Ingram, reform the mechanics of Lonzo Ball. And yes, Lonzo obviously had a poor bubble experience and Brandon Ingram did to an extent as well. But those guys shot the ball well and have good mechanics now. And um, if you've got, uh, if, if Joe Sy's got a, an extra couple of million dollars hanging in the pocket from some Alibaba <laughs> stock that's rising, throw it at that dude or throw it at someone in San Antonio. We know that um, the, the work that they do there because, or, or whoever's doing it with goddamn, I mean, Joe Harris has you know gorgeous mechanics. And I think it's just about, Fine tuning. I, I'm I'm probably somewhere. I'm always generally somewhere in the middle of, of what you two guys say. I'm I'm worried uh, to an extent that I think that you know it, it's going to affect his fit with the team going forward uh, and just generally his effectiveness uh, as a player. You know he's never been a great true shooting, effective field goal sort of guy, but he's just got so much talent in so many other other different areas that you have to look beyond the stats. But if he does hit the three ball at a respectable rate, you know give me 35%. Um, I think that would be immense from him. But I wanted to touch on TLC, Nick and Matt, and it felt like he shot better than 3 of 10 from the field. I know, Matt, you were putting on um, Twitter quite a bit. It's just like, whenever you shoot, you're expecting it to go in. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, two weeks ago, we, we were definitely not saying that. I don't know what to make. I, I like, I just, I don't, it's like I'm in, it's like a toxic relationship. Like, really, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I feel so great inside when this guy's making threes, and then it's just like the the worst feeling when he's missing on shots. I actually think he's a pretty good shooter. I, I've like kind of like come around. And I'm like, okay, like when he's off, the the misses are pretty close. Like even the misses today, it was like one was in and out, one kind of hit off the the side of the rim, but it it, it could have gone in if it was contested a little bit less. So. Look, here's my thing with TLC, and unfortunately, I hate to do this. I hate to talk about next year. It's impossible for me to not talk about these guys and look at next year a little bit. It's impossible, especially with the news that we got with Joe Harris. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a preview or anything. I'm not gonna do anything like that. Let me just say this: for what he brings, and even if he's a little bit inconsistent comparatively to what the market is gonna provide for what his skill set is, what his length is, what his youth is, what his contract is. I'm in. Like, I'm all in. I'm in on TLC. I think if he's playing well, he's a real asset. I, I actually really trust him in those corners. Um, yeah, and even today, like, sure, he didn't have a great shooting night. Thought he spaced the floor well. He's a good cutter back door as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Just like, you know, he he's done that a couple times in this Raptor series where he'll cut back door and it'll bring in a defender ever so slightly. I actually think I touched on this on this uh Garrett Temple article today that nobody read, which <laughs> is what I get for doing and <laughs> doing articles on game days is the dumbest thing. I need to stop doing that. Um, but this this Garrett Temple article I wrote, there is a play where TLC cuts baseline and it sucks in the defense. I believe it was Pascal Siakam ever so slightly. And even when Rody's late on the pass, it still gives Temple a decent look at three. So um yeah. Didn't fall today. Really like him. I, you know, whatever. He'll shoot 11 out of 11 next game. 
Yeah, he seems like a slightly above average three-point shooter. That is streaky. Like, the shot is looking better. And even on, like, some of the makes, it's like, okay, that barely even touched net. Like, he's definitely improving that area. And I think I agree, Matt. Like, he has probably a spot in next year's team given his contract. And I think there's plenty of room for improvement, especially defensively. You watch him play. He's just like hand placement is really bad. He gets himself in a lot of foul trouble just putting his hands in a bad yeah. spot. Just showcase them. Keep them up. Keep them out. He's always trying to get his hand in there for a steal or whatever it might be. There was even a play today where he's just like leg kicked out and he kicked somebody. And it was just like, TLC, these are just like small things that you can correct. And then you wouldn't have to spend even time on the bench because you're not in foul trouble. And I think another area, especially since it seems like, you know, the the long-term use of him in the NBA is going to probably be small forward at least, that he just needs to get a little bit stronger too. Yep. Like just add a little bit more strength and it'll help you defensively at the point of attack. Guys won't be able to move you so much and you don't have to get caught with some of those little fouls. Yeah, he's got to keep his hands out of the cookie jar, as the saying goes. Uh, in, in, but I, I, again, I, I'll echo what Matt sort of said. I thought he was really effective today. Still went 6-16 six from the field, still had 17 points, um, and still did some really good things on the floor and just provided great spacing. You know, Like Matt sort of said, that corner three. Um, could you imagine You know, if TLC was on the, the Rockets or even even oh, more so? if they Even had just the, playing with Kyrie's there. Yeah. Uh, I'm, 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 can you imagine if he's on the Lakers right now? They they need TLC. <laughs> they need a TLC. You know, replace Danny Green or KCP with TLC. They win that game against the Blazers. And things would be very different. And uh, to quote the famous girl group that has the similar initials, he ain't no scrub. You know? and <laughs> there we, we go. We, and, the, and like Matt alluded to, the contract, you know, it's like $1.2 or $1.8 million. Uh, another real big tick for Sean Marks. We could just take a little bit of a flyer on a young guy who has, you know, some tangible things, you know, three-point shooting. And he seems to be quite a coachable player as well. And I think that the things that you're alluding to, Nick, in terms of just the, the silly ticky-tacky fouls, I think that can be coached out of him just yeah. with experience. Um, you know, he is he's not used to playing starter-level NBA basketball. It's his first ever time doing it. Obviously, he's been around the wings a little bit in OKC in Philadelphia. Um, but overall, uh, I think he's had an incredible bubble experience and uh, a lot of credit to Sean Marks and a lot of credit to, to the man himself. Um, the Frenchman is uh, making it fly. And the coaching staff. I think they've just yep. done a great job with a lot of these guys. But like you said, you know, credit to the player. And I think there's definitely a role for him next year, given that his skill set is complementary. And with better stars, he's going to have an easier job out there. But we did talk a little Joe Harris early on. Did you guys want to mention anything else about his game today? I, I don't have anything. I, I I actually weirdly feel like I need to go. I'm, I'm going to do a big old. I, this is probably my last big film dive of the year. I don't know like how many. Notes Come on, there. man. We get the people what they want. <laughs> I don't know. We'll you got to do the free agent film dives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a bunch of clips from this series, so we'll, we'll be looking into that. But I think this we're, we're coming up to it. I, I think this year could be. Well, you never know. Maybe I won't have that attitude. Um, So let me. Let, I, I honestly need to rewatch kind of what happened with Joe Harris but they were able to run him off I feel like some of the threes he hit were like a little bit deeper today like just a, yeah. a little hair deeper so I thought he was great man like he impresses me every single game he's just I don't know man he just I don't even have any words for him I just he shows up where the team needs him the rebounding is such a great example of that uh sign him sign him sign yeah. him Open up the checkbook, Mr. Sai. Like I said, the Alibaba stock seems to be going up. We're watching those, you know, the New York stock market. We know you're going well, mate. You know, you've got the billions in the pocket. What's another $10 million for Joe Harris at the end of the day? He is played 
insane. Rebounding the ball as, as well as anyone out there. And the three ball, like sort of Matt was alluding to, he's just reading it better and he just seems confident. He just is just like, you know what? If it's two feet back, I'll take it. If it's semi-contested, I'll take it. And, you know, he was angry on certain plays as well. Love seeing Joe Harris angry. It gets me. Yeah, he was really pissed on that Lowry call. Gets me a little bit yeah. worked up in, in some ways. I'll, I will say that, boys. I, you know, I was in bed. <laughs> it was a nice time. But Joe Harris, man. Oh, gosh. Heck of a bubble experience. Heck of a game tonight as well. You know, it, four of seven from three. You know, the fact that he's still able to get those seven shots up because you can just tell Toronto's like, we want anyone to take a three except for you. So the fact that he hit over 50% of his threes, uh, it, it just, it still boggles me how he's continuing to improve. And like we sort of said, and we sort of previewed, you know, how would Joe Harris go in the playoffs with the extra tension after a, a bit of a poor post, well, a very poor postseason last year against Philadelphia, he has been great. Yeah, he's done a lot better job. And I think, like, this is a guy who's only going to, you know, shoot better next year when he's playing next to Kyrie and KD. Because Hell, just... Nick! Hell, he shot, like, 55% from three! Well, I mean, Nick. shoot more. I mean, like, nine shots, seven attempts. Like, I felt like, you know, in the first half, Toronto limited him to three shots, I believe. So, like, getting him more touches is going to be so much easier when you have KD and Kyrie out there. I felt like he did a nice job in the second half getting more of those looks maybe in transition or when Toronto wasn't fully set up. Because, like you mentioned, they did a great job. They had OG, you know, chasing him a lot of the time and just smothering him at that line. And he just – it's not as easy to get some of those layups that he typically gets against a Toronto defense. So, he's taking what the Raptors are giving him. Sadly, it's not a ton. But he's still performing at a high level. And you know what? I all the doubts that anybody ever had about him and, and playoffs and stuff like that, we can we can put those to bed. Like it's it, we're done with that. That the the Joe Harris can't play in the playoffs, whatever. If that narrative even was out there, it's it's done. Like let's let's retire that. Let's talk Jared Allen for a little bit. You know, he had a big game. It just felt like he was really everywhere defensively in this game, especially to start this one. And he had 14 points, 15 rebounds, got to the line six times. What do we like about Jared Allen today? Um, I thought his switchability was good. I I don't know. It, it, it It's like it's a growing experience for him. So he's going to bite on pump fakes here and there. The Raptors were very keen on doing it in the third quarter, and they stopped because he did a good job. Like, he, he was really good. I thought the short roll, again, a little, a little give or take, but yeah. I like that he's making those reads. It's better than him not making those reads and holding on to the ball and, and, and or not even asking for the ball. Like, you have to remember, he's 22. There's a maturation process. And the only way to figure out all this stuff is for him to do it. And that's what he was doing today. So I like it, man. I, I, I Disclaimer, I think that's probably going to be what my angle is tomorrow, is just appreciating Jared Allen. And, you know, I, I thought he was... I don't know who the best player on the court was, but I I think he's he's in that group along with I guess Norman Powell. But he was the best big he today. He was great. He was great. He made you know he he made Marcus Soul unplayable. <laughs> yeah, and, so. the, the, and that's saying something. You know, we talked about you know the the lack of depth at the center position and Jared Allen playing forty one minutes. Obviously, you know Rodion's pinch hit here or there. We'll probably get to him in a little bit, but he's just been outstanding. You know, yes. in terms of the growth and the, you know, the responsibility on his shoulders, he's relished it and he's performed. You know, I can't you know, off the top of my head. There have been few poor performances from Jared Allen. And yes, there's going to be elevated turnovers when the ball's in his hands. You know, he'll he will make bad decisions, but at the end of the day, I want the ball in his hands more than I would want it in you know uh, Jer- Jeremiah Martin and you know Rodion's Kuritz for that that respect as well. You know, three blocks tonight again 
He's just, uh, I've said this before, he has all defensive caliber talent. You know, he's a, not your typical Rudy Gobert center. And I think Rudy Gobert has gotten better at being switching. And I think the scheme overall, a switching scheme does suit Jared Allen as well, more than, maybe not more than drop coverage, because, you know, at the end of the day, he's he's an immense rim protector too. But he can do it. And that shows his flexibility and malleability as a defender as well. I really liked, I guess, as a coaching point as well, and a talking point generally for the game, I liked that they were switching more today. I think that that made things tougher for Toronto, uh, especially in that early period. Um, I thought it was a, a nice little coaching point. And Jared Allen adjusted greatly and, and he still just he makes things so tough for the opposition even if he is uh, making a few mistakes here and there you know no one's perfect but he was he was awesome and it continue those boards man like he's just he just fights and i love it yeah, yeah f- five assists today and yeah i think three of them came in the first quarter in a short roll where he made a lot of good reads and even some of the turnovers weren't even bad decisions i don't know if you guys saw this it just like the ball like looked like it slipped out of his hands like yeah, two or three times yeah. i was like kind of confused almost but uh, I think Allen has a lot of potential in that switchability stuff. He just has to learn, like, just some of the fundamentals out there and how to play the guards. And also would help if someone would occasionally rotate behind him to give him some help when someone gets to the rim. But that, that's for another day. And the only thing I'll say about Jared Allen that just kind of drives me nuts sometimes, it's like he's scared of Kyle Lowry. Like, there's a couple times where he had Lowry in the paint, and it was just like maybe he's scared he's going to get a charge called on him or something. But, like, just glide right past him and lay it up. You know, you're willing to do it against other guys. There's just a couple opportunities in this game where I think they need him to be a little bit more aggressive down there. Yo, I'll, I'll head to Orlando. I'll quarantine for a, just so I can give six fouls to Kyle Lowry. You know, <laughs> if, that's what, if that's what Jacques Vaughn wants me to do, I will happily do it because, um, you know, he's going to be on his ass more than more than not if I'm out there, that's for sure. But, yeah, it's, it, I think that that's just the, the demeanor of Kyle Lowry in a lot of ways. And as much as I do ha- dislike him, it's hard to hate anyone. But uh, he just makes an impact. He's he's pesky and he, he's, he's a really good player. You know, he leads that team in a lot of ways. But, um, and so, guys, I think it's going underrated. I know that, Matt, you mentioned, you know, and, and Nick, you guys mentioned that Jared Allen was maybe the best player out there. Uh, despite that final play, I think Garrett Temple was, was awesome. Absolutely yes. awesome. Led the team in plus minus, 21 points, 5-11 from three. A lot different from one of 11 or one of 10 or whatever it was. Three assists, four hit all his three throws. I thought, and, you know, had a steal, was great defensively. You know, he was having, you know, positions on Pascal Siakam. He was switching on everyone, and he was making things tough. I think that Garrett Temple can... I put a tweet out, like, two, like a week ago about Garrett Temple needs to be on this team next season, and it's still getting likes and retweets because it's got that evergreen staying power because he continues to play so freaking well, and um, I'm loving what he's doing in this bubble. Matt, what did you think of his game? Um, I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. And I kind of just want to echo everything that, that you said right there. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I just like that, like his performance was just going to be huge no matter what, because that the Raptors are going to like, try to give him like the touches that like, they're going to predicate everything to him. So if he's going to knock those down, then that's going to greatly boost Brooklyn's performance. And I think you saw that like a, a, like literally on the court today. Yeah, I think that was huge. We talked about it on the preview. Like Garrett Temple's a guy that's going to get open threes. And if he can hit them, it's going to make the Raptors, you know, he's going to punish them for that. And it's going to maybe even open things up a little bit more for other guys because eventually if he hits five threes, they're going to have to start rotating his way. He even hit a couple big shots in terms of like mid-range jumpers that kind of helped the Nets when the Raptors are making a run. And yeah. given this bubble team, you know, his veteran's presence is huge. Like having a guy that has experience and willing to communicate, and it's like almost after every possession, you see him talking to one of the young guys about something they could do differently or do better. 
Yeah, that was uh, I'm looking. I'm like, sorry, I'm like trying to look through um my article on this because I had, I think he was he miss he comprised a third of their misses. I'm trying to remember this. this one is, again, of, he was definitely one of ten in game one. Yeah, so I think it was a third of the misses that he had. It, uh, well, the, his misses represented a third of of uh, Brooklyn's, and obviously, if you flip that on its head, it really changes up their, I guess, dynamic. So. Yeah, Today I mean, he almost had half of the makes. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's the X factor. Like I'm I'm gonna that'll be my my I'll die on that hill with him. And I think that's fair because, like we said, this is a guy that's gonna get those shots, and the Raptors are gonna live with it. If Garrett Temple drops thirty, like they're gonna be okay with the loss. But let's talk about somebody who had a pretty rough game in terms of Rodion's crew, who <laughs> scored two points, fifteen minutes, one of four from the field, oh with three from deep, two rebounds, just. Looked all out of sorts and just probably one of his worst games in the bubble, if not his worst. Oh, boy. Um, that side, my guy. That side, something. Especially up. at a time where the Nets, if they just got an average performance from Rodion's, it could yeah. have changed the game. I just like it's, it is the, he is the most hot or cold player I've ever, ever watched. Like, I give TLC grief for this. Um, Rodion's Kurooks is like the world's biggest negative, or like, oh my God, what is Rodi doing? Nets Twitter is going crazy. <laughs> here's the thing like i could tell the second he stepped on the floor and it wasn't a foul it wasn't a miss three it wasn't a turnover he tried to set a screen for i think it was karis and i was oh, like bro. that's the laziest screen of it and i'm like look like i'm not gonna sit here and like you know lose my mind over a steal but i was just like Ugh, like that that just like th- there the the flow of it it just like it didn't do anything and if anything it brought a, a third defender over to karis and it completely clogged the possession. Um, I don't know why. The second I saw that, I was like, oh, boy. Like, we might – he looks already lost. And it's been, like, two minutes into this game. <laughs> so, yeah, man. I mean, this this was a big opportunity for him to prove himself. I said it on my stream a little bit earlier. Um, he has arguably the biggest opportunity outside of maybe, like, a TLC or somebody like that. But a, a bigger opportunity than any of their guards and Martin and Chioza and 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 Musa and um, who did Johnson. I not mention Tyler Johnson, he has a huge huge opportunity because of the position he plays and because of the the positions he could ideally cover. I, I he has not nailed this like you know he has not nailed this at all that opportunity like the audition I he has failed that audition right now. Yeah, I mean there were. Some positives throughout the seeding games and the scrimmage games was just like oh he looks he gives the the Nets a bit of spacing at the at the five when he's out there but he he, he was again reluctant and a bit hesitant when he was sort of taking that three rather than sort of just like having that confidence and and that mentality just like let it fly if it misses if it misses it misses and you know that screen that you alluded to Matt I mean it sort of reminds me of another screen later in the game where he just like decided to like <laughs> tackle like shoulder charge OG Anunoby I was just like. And, and I was like sort of fired up in my head. I'm like, oh, come on, stop flopping, OG. And I'm like, oh, shit, man. Like, you can't do that. This is basketball. Um, yeah, if OG was... punched him in the face, I wouldn't have even like felt bad. Like, that's just like, bro, what are you doing? That's, and I mean, it's sort of emblematic of sort of what Matt's alluding to in terms of just the lack of consistency and the, 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 the basketball IQ sometimes. And obviously, he is a young player. We've spoken about his lack of basketball experience, blah, 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 blah. But he's an NBA player now, and he needs to be smarter and just make the right plays and not do dumb things on the floor at the very least. And unfortunately, tonight, um, he wasn't able to do that. And, you know, uh, he could have... He, 
very well could have and probably should have got a flagrant for that play um and he was lucky not to it was it was a very very silly play at, at the very least and you know if the nets got a little bit more out of him if he had to hit a three ball once or twice or if he you know even if he was you know making sort of pesky plays and getting those fouls i would have been fine but they were as sort of matt alluded to they were just dumb plays on the defensive end and um, we can't afford dumb plays uh, from from our rotation players right now especially against a team like the toronto raptors that is so damn smart like you guys mentioned, he was just out of sorts. Like the screening was an issue. And then even times he, when he did set a screen, he'd roll to the wrong area when the Nets probably wanted him to just <laughs> pop out. And then like he would be cutting when Karras is driving. It's like you're making the paint even more clogged than it already is. And then, and then defensively, there was literally a possession where he was looking the wrong direction. I was just like, oh my God, this is an NBA game. And you look so confused. Like you have never logged minutes before, played this scheme or played with Jared Allen. It was really frustrating and it really hurt the team because you can't depend on Jared Allen to play the entire game at center and not have any reinforcements in the big department. But what'd you guys think of Tyler Johnson? I, I, you know, I, I don't even know. (laughs) I, I, I wish I had a concrete take on him because I like certain aspects of his game. And I, I don't think they gave him very easy looks. I'll say that. Like it felt like most of his shots were really well contested and maybe that's just a size thing for him. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, he had his moments. I still like that, like, if you run him off the three-point line. Actually, you know what? I, I Let me, let me, let me uh, uh, you know, scratch all that. I like his floater game. I don't know if yeah. I'd seen that. Before. Yeah. That was he interesting. He hit a couple tough ones. That was very interesting. He hit two consecutively. I kind of took note of that. I've seen him, you know, drive all the way to the basket, get contact. He's got that nice little, like, if you run him off the line, he can... Uh, you know he he can he can make like the mid range pull up, but um off like one dribble. But yeah, the the floater game was cool. Uh, I thought that despite the fact that he was a, a minus fifteen, he was probably the best player off the bench, and uh, and that's not saying much when <laughs> Rodion's Kuritz and Chris Chioza were your competition. But you know, twelve points, five or ten from the field, hit two or five from three, had a couple of dimes, and I thought that he was pesky defensively. I, I thought I think that. That's one thing we've sort of spoken about. And I think overall we've been, uh, I think everyone on this podcast has been really happy with the production that he's provided. But, you know, I think the switching scheme suits him as well because it just allows him to sort of just hone in and move his feet. I think he does have nice quick feet. He he certainly looks healthy. And I think that that's, that's, a, a one, that's one point, I think, why he is producing at such a, probably at a, an above high level that we probably would have expected from him heading into the bubble. And, you know, I think that it, it wasn't his best game, but he was still uh, had productive moments on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Any final thoughts on Chris Chioza before we get out of here? Four assists, three points, 12 minutes. Um, that seems to me what you're going to get from from Cheese, um, from Cheesy Cheese, from Chai Cheese, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> from the grader. Uh, he's going to go out there. He's going to make... It's just like, you know, uh, he just doesn't have enough offense. It's just... It's pretty simple. I, I think he had like one quite nice drive and you know he was able to get to the line um you know with his handle you know when he's aggressive he looks good but it it seems to me that he's his mentality is never aggressive for the sake of getting a shot off it's aggressive for finding someone else in like you know a rajan rondo sort of mentality um yeah but i think that in you know he's he's going to be playing extra minutes you know that 12 minutes is going to probably turn into 20 with joe gone you know rones is 16 is going to turn into 25 tyler johnson's 22 is probably going to turn into 30 um and the nets are definitely going to be poorer for it 
But let's see what they can do with the extra responsibility on their shoulders. Maybe we see some Dante Hall. Maybe we see some Justin Anderson again. Maybe we see a, a little bit of Lance Thomas. Maybe we see Nets Twitter's favorite Jonathan Musa. Who knows? <laughs> let's get weird with it. You know, we're 2-0 down. It ain't going to happen this series. Uh, might as well get weird with it, right, Nick? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think Chioza honestly might still be a little bit hurt. Like, he just doesn't seem quite okay. as quick. He was dealing mm. with the abductor injury, which is pretty bad for any, like, small player, any type of hip injury. Same thing that really hurt Isaiah Thomas. He just doesn't have the same spark to him. Like, he doesn't have that speediness that we're used to seeing. I don't think that's, like, a huge component of his game, but it just it feels that way out there. But uh, any adjustments you guys want to see for Game 3 or just kind of let it happen because we have no Jer Harris? Oh, oh man. Um, You know what? Let's get weird. Like, let's let's put I out. Well, did did Jeremiah Martin play in game one? I feel like he did. I'm he not. Did. I'm, yeah, very small minutes. I think like okay. eight minutes or something or four minutes, something like that. You know what they should do is just go super small. Like, just because they like, I think they should just throw like a six guard, like or not six, but like six guards. <laughs> Give us an extra man. Yeah, just making things up. They should throw whatever, however many guards they have, six, all six of their guards out, throw three guard lineups, four guard lineups, um, just do whatever they got to do and and just make this series weird as possible. Um, have Karis LeVert play power forward. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm out of ideas. Like, they really need Joe Harris for spacing reasons. TLC, I think, is going to be really overtaxed. I really hope it doesn't, you know, take him out of the flow of the offense too much. But, um, yeah, get weird. I don't know. Play Lance Thomas. <laughs> Um, I think I said this, I'm not sure if it was on this podcast or it might have been on Just Ball Things NBA podcast, where it was like, if you can't be good, be entertaining. So let's, you know, we're not going to be that good, clearly, uh, when you lose your second or third best player. So let's have some fun with it. Let's get a bit crazy. Overall, though, Nick, in terms of the, the adjustments that were made from game one to, to game two, you know, in terms of, you know, the three-point shooting was down from Toronto, you know, from 50% down to 25%. You know, the, the switching scheme was good. You know, maybe continue to just switch like crazy, you know, and throw, you know, we've got about 18 point guards and shooting guards on the roster. So like Matt said, get small ball with it. Let Jared Allen be the only one that rebounds the basketball and try and take care of the ball a bit better. I mean, yeah. obviously that's easier said than done against the Toronto Raptors, but, you know, th those turnovers are going to get punished by a team that loves to get in transition. So, I mean, X's and O's are, are nice to sort of analyze but at the end of the day nick uh, it's better to just get a bit wacky with it get a bit crazy with it we like to do that on the the brooklyn bars don't we yes and i think there's only so much you can do with the x's and o's given the talent differential like you guys mentioned so maybe just get really crazy poor snick nurse to do some wacky stuff but other than that you know we'll just see what happens as always guys a pleasure and you can find us on itunes google play spotify otgbasketball.com and blue wire pods Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.